It is Tuesday, the 26th of September. Let's begin together in prayer on this Feast of Saints Cosmas and Damien by praying together in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. Grant peace, O Lord, you are a helper close at hand. Grant peace of heart to all who are troubled and afraid. You are in our midst when life's ills assail us. Keep our hearts fixed on you amid all disturbances. Your word is the river of life which gives joy to your people. Refresh in prayer all who are burdened. You put an end to war and the weapons of war teach us to lay aside our quarrels with our neighbors. Amen. Glory be to the Father, and to the Son, and to the Holy Spirit, as it was in the beginning, is now, and ever shall be, world without end. Amen. Saints Cosmos and Damien, pray for us. You know, I'm looking at my Magnificat app, and I'm realizing that when I loaded it today, I still had it on yesterday's morning intercessions. So if those were new to you, it means that you probably didn't get up early enough yesterday. And if you were like, hey, he prayed that yesterday, then maybe we're all being called to just reemphasize that in our lives. End division and quarreling with your neighbor or your digital neighbor. It is the Sunrise Morning Show. I'm Matt Swaim. Anna Mitchell has news. Paul Ackman at the controls up this hour. We'll talk about the Holy Spirit in prayer with Father Boniface Hicks, who's been going through his book, Personal Prayer, A Guide for Receiving the Father's Love. We'll catch up with Marlon De La Torre from the Diocese of Columbus. Also on this Feast of Saints Cosmos and Damien, these twin saints who were doctors of the church, but they were actually medical doctors of the church. Uh, we're going to talk with Mike Aquilina about them. So please do stay with us if you can. Right now, it's two minutes past the hour. Here's Anna Mitchell with news. Good morning. President Biden is calling on Congress to pass legislation to fund the government and avoid a shutdown by the end of the month. In remarks yesterday, Biden called on House Republicans to abide by the partisan bipartisan funding agreement that he negotiated with Speaker Kevin McCarthy back in May. He said a small group of conservative lawmakers who want deep spending cuts don't want to live up to that deal. The president stressed that a shutdown would hurt everyday Americans. Meanwhile, the president plans to join picketers with the United Auto Workers today in Michigan. Press Secretary Corrine Jean-Pierre says President Biden is standing by the side of workers and hoping for a win-win agreement. Officials say that ethnic Armenians have begun their exodus from Nagorno-Karabakh, also known as Artsakh, following last week's takeover by the Azerbaijani military. From Vatican Radio, Christopher Wells reports. David Babayan, an official in the region's ethnic Armenian government, has told Reuters news agency that he expects almost all of Karabakh's 120,000 ethnic Armenians to leave. They do not want to live as part of Azerbaijan, he said. 99.9% prefer to leave our historic lands. The fate of our poor people will go down in history as a disgrace and a shame for the Armenian people and for the whole civilized world. 
Nagorno-Karabakh is internationally recognized as part of Azerbaijan, but has been governed by ethnic Armenians since the collapse of the Soviet Union. Azerbaijan says that it wants to reintegrate the Armenians, now within its borders, as equal citizens. Armenia, however, has raised fears of human rights abuses and ethnic cleansing, pointing out that Azerbaijan has refused international oversight of the reintegration process and failed to provide details on how it would be achieved. The Armenian government has promised to accommodate all refugees from the enclave, saying it will lovingly welcome our brothers and sisters. In around the year 300 AD, Armenia became the first country in the world to officially adopt Christianity. Both the European Parliament and UNESCO, the United Nations Cultural Agency, have raised concerns over the destruction of the historic Christian sites in the enclave. In an interview with BBC in 2020, Azerbaijani President Ilham Aliyev denied that there is any cause for concern, suggesting the churches had been targeted accidentally. Pope Francis visited Armenia in 2016. Earlier this year, he sent Cardinal Pietro Perlin to the region to meet with both Armenian and Azerbaijani officials concerning the situation in Nagorno-Karabakh. I'm Christopher Wells. Pope Francis yesterday addressed a delegation from the Latin American Research and Training Commission for the Protection of Minors. He said to them, the scourge of child abuse must be addressed by society at large. He said, quote, how the world would change if we saw in the suffering of every child, of every vulnerable person, a trait imprinted in the veil with which Veronica wiped the face of Christ, end quote. He invited everyone to pray through the intercession of St. Therese so that those who commit these crimes against children may can be converted and see in their victims the eyes of Jesus. In Washington, the House Oversight Committee will hold its first hearing on the impeachment inquiry into President Biden on Thursday. It'll likely focus on constitutional and legal questions around the president's alleged involvement in his son Hunter Biden's foreign business dealings during his time as vice president. Committee Chair James Comer also plans to subpoena the personal bank records of Hunter Biden and the president's brother, James Biden. Seven Republican presidential candidates have qualified for Wednesday's debate in California. Reports. The RNC announced on Monday that former Arkansas Governor Asa Hutchinson, who took part in the first debate in Milwaukee last month, didn't make the cut. Florida Governor Ron DeSantis and former Vice President Mike Pence will return to the stage, along with North Dakota Governor Doug Burgum, former New Jersey Governor Chris Christie, and former U.N. Ambassador Nikki Haley. The group also includes entrepreneur Vivek Ramaswamy and South Carolina Senator Tim Scott. Former President Trump is skipping the debate. I'm Mark Mayfield. The Writers Guild of America of America leadership is expected to vote today on whether to approve a tentative deal that could end the writers' strike. Its negotiating committee reached the agreement with Hollywood's top studios over the weekend suspending all picketing. If the deal is agreed to, it would then go to the roughly 11,000 WGA members for approval. And the Bengals took down the Rams in a rematch of Super Bowl 56 in Monday night football. Cincinnati defeated Los Angeles 19-16 to at Paycor Stadium. Kicker Evan McPherson drilled four of his five field goal attempts and running back Joe Mixon found the end zone on a 14-yard run in the third quarter to lift Cincinnati to its first win, finally, 
of the season. L.A. slips to one and two with the loss. Well, well, you know, two Did years you ago. stay up to watch this game, Matt? No. The Bengals are undefeated in their white helmets. Paul Lockman is wearing his Bengals hat today. Is it a white Bengals hat? No. <clears throat> the white Bengals uniform you have on the white black Bengals and white. Hat, Paul? He does. It makes me look like mm. there's something wrong with my television or something. I'm not a. It was really exciting for us at home. We don't have cable. Unless you're Siegfried and Roy, your your tigers are orange and black. I like the Siberian tiger look on the Bengals. I like those I, uniforms. You don't like those uniforms? I don't like those uniforms. They're undefeated in them. Okay. They're not undefeated in my fashion portfolio. I love the white uniforms. Well, at any rate, Anna Mitchell, the Monday Night Football. Agree to disagree. Okay, so first of all, if it's not on, if I can't get it on my antenna, I don't watch it. That's right. How it so works. was it not on your antenna? No, it was like a ESPN two or something like that. Okay. See, I was. I don't pay for cable. Yeah, neither do I. And so Will I and I were like. Just stand funny and hold the thing up. We were like trying to get oh, it. Like a signal. Through an app and couldn't do it, and we just kind of threw up our hands and like, oh, I guess we're not going to watch it. And then my friend told me that the local NBC affiliate picked it up. So we really? got to watch it on the antenna. And it was, you know, well, I went to bed when it was like six to three Rams, but I think See, Will also stayed came up on to at watch 8 the whole thing. Eastern, and at 8 yeah. p.m. Eastern, there's a television show I produce called The Journey Home. So oh, I would have missed the first, yeah. the first quarter, or actually, what are the quarters are like an hour and a half now? Your what guest on The I've... Journey Home last night is yeah. uh, going to be joining us on the Sunrise Morning Show. So. so the journey home's only an hour long, so I only would have missed about the first eight minutes of the first quarter. Ah, well, there you go. The Sunrise Morning Show continues. I'm Matt Swaim, joined now by Father Boniface Hicks. He is co-author, along with Father Thomas Acklin, of Personal Prayer, A Guide for Receiving the Father's Love. Father, good morning. Good morning, Matt. Great to be with you. So prayer and the spiritual gifts... Um, this is where people can either get really excited or really nervous, <laughs> depending on your personality <laughs> type and how things work. But um, we've got the gifts of the Spirit. We've got the fruits of the Spirit that Paul talks about in Galatians 5. We've got all these things where the Holy Spirit, the most mysterious person of the Trinity, um, is working with us in prayer. So what are some good things to understand in the background so that we know how to talk about the Holy Spirit in prayer? Well, one of the things I try to do in the book, in the chapter on uh, charismatic prayer, prayer in the Spirit, is to try to connect that a little bit more, so to take it a little bit more out of the weird and into some of the principles that we talked about earlier in the book, in terms of the vulnerability, uh, in, in terms of the experience of our own poverty, our own limitations and littleness, and in terms of uh, God's sometimes his hiddenness, and, and the way that the, the gifts in the Spirit are another expression or, or engage prayer in all of those same categories. They're not just sort of like suddenly the rules change and they come in from outer space or something. So the uh, openness to the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit is, in his own way, the hiddenness of God. Christ is the revelation of God. The Word is the revelation of God. And there is also a depth of God that is unknown except the Spirit who searches the depths of God. And so when we, when we enter into the Spirit, there, there is something mysterious, but 
that's because the depths of God are, are also somewhat mysterious. And, and we get to a point in prayer that we can't express everything in words and images, and yet we want to keep praying. And, and prayer in tongues, that sort of ecstatic prayer that uh, doesn't have an intelligible content, as St. Paul says, I, I pray with my mind, and I pray in the Spirit. And he makes it clear that those are two distinct things. They can go together, but they can also be separate. We can keep praying in the Spirit even when our mind kind of reaches its limits, and that's not a problem. Our humanity can't contain the entirety of the mystery of God. And, and so the Holy Spirit works in us and prays in us, and sometimes that's uh, silence, sometimes that's tongues, sometimes that's uh, some other form of of more ecstatic prayer. So so the prayer in the Spirit is uh, just an extension of our, our regular prayer life, and, and we allow the Holy Spirit to have uh, a little bit more room there, taking us into places that are a little bit beyond our, our human capacities. Well, I was just thinking, uh, as you were saying this, I, you know, sometimes people will look and they'll see TV preachers in a Pentecostal gathering, and, like, people you know, yelling words that aren't real words, right? And, uh, you know, knocking each other out and dancing up the aisles. And that can be the thing that have, people have in their minds. You know, I grew up in the South and evangelicalism, and I saw some stuff, man. I saw some stuff. <laughs> it got, got a little wild, right? Uh, whereas in the, in the Catholic faith, um, all this has to be subjected to um, kind of the principles we already know about God and, and sort of the the structure and framework of what the church teaches about everything else, that's very different than how charismatic prayer ends up functioning in some places outside the church where there kind of is no sort of regulatory framework for this stuff. And it can get a little bit out of hand and personalities can elevate things and, and it can be much more of a person, you know, kind of manipulating a crowd than it can be this, you know, what so often Mm -hmm. happens in the charismatics that I talk to who are Catholics, that it is just them, just getting into like a space where they're really truly connecting with God. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, I think even uh, we don't have time for the whole story, but just to to realize, and it's becoming a point of, of ecumenical unity that that the uh, evangelical church, the Pentecostal churches, were really birthed by the prayer of Leo the Thirteenth in the beginning of the twentieth century. He prayed, and then they began to pray in tongues. <laughs> hmm. And he consecrated the 20th century to the Holy Spirit under the direction of Blessed Elena Guerra, who is a, a nun, um, wrote to him several times. He did everything she told him to. wrote an encyclical on the Holy Spirit, established a novena to the Holy Spirit, and then consecrated the 20th century to the Holy Spirit by praying the Veni Creator in St. Peter's Basilica and in Topeka, Kansas, within hours, the, the first sort of prayer in tongues took place. So it's a very interesting connection. And then the Catholic Charismatic Renewal was birthed in front of the Blessed Sacrament at the Ark and the Dove in, uh, in Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania, about an hour away from my monastery. And so the, the groundedness in the sacraments and in the magisterium flowing from the, the teaching of the Pope, it's not, a, it's not outside of that. It's still, as you were saying, subjected to those uh, points of prayer and, and the structures of the Catholic Church. Yeah, it's funny to me that when St. Paul is talking in you know places like 1 Corinthians and he's trying to uh, talk about the goodness of these gifts, he's also talking about them in the necessity of them being 
somehow ordered towards Christ in a way that does not become individualistic or does not become like a competition about who can speak in tongues the best, you know, <laughs> or things like that. Mm-hmm. Because, you know, again, it is, we're dealing with the Holy Spirit and the Holy Spirit is mysterious. I mean, we know some things about the Holy Spirit, but the Holy Spirit knows and expresses for us in ways that are, you know, kind of, by, as St. Paul says, in groans that cannot be uttered, because <laughs> we don't even know what we're mm. saying sometimes, and we just sort of like, Argh! and the Holy Spirit kind of like communicates that into something. Uh, but uh, Father Boniface Hicks, if our listeners want to get your book and read more about this, it's a very, I think, uh, interesting and balanced and measured and clear uh kind of unpacking of the charismatic gifts. How do we find your book? Uh, stpaulcenter.com will get you to uh, Emmaus Road Publishing and Personal Prayer, A Guide for Receiving the Father's Love by Father Boniface and Father Tom Acklin. And hopefully we'll get into some more aspects of charismatic stuff here in the coming weeks. Thanks so much, Father Boniface. Have a great day. You too, Matt. Great to be with you. 17 past. Here's Anna with news. Oops, no, it's not. No, it's not. She'll be back with headlines after the break. The new feature film, Mother Teresa and Me, sponsored by Fathom Events, is in theaters Thursday, October 5th. Mother Teresa and Me weaves together the stories of two women, Mother Teresa, who served the poor with love amidst her dark night of the soul, and Kavita, a young woman who is searching for love while struggling with her unexpected pregnancy. Mother Teresa and Me, in theaters Thursday, October 5th. More information at fathomevents.com. That's fathomevents.com. Support for the Sunrise Morning Show is from Visiting Angels. Visiting Angels provides experienced, compassionate care to millions of aging adults nationwide by keeping them safe and healthy in the comfort of their own home. Whether it's a short break for caregivers or for long-term assistance, Visiting Angels provides hygiene, meals, light housework, companionship, and more. And services are available up to 24 hours per day. Visiting Angels, online at visitingangels.com. That's visitingangels.com. Franchise opportunities available. The kids got new supplies for back to school, so what do the parents get? Well, we suggest treating yourself to some good coffee, and the Mystic Monks of Wyoming have a number of blends to choose from. And when you link to the Mystic Monk Coffee site through our site, sonrisemorningshow.com, we earn a commission on whatever you buy. You can also treat yourself to a Sunrise Morning Show mug or travel mug and a water bottle for your kid in our online store. Check out our store and link to Mystic Monk Coffee at sunrisemorningshow.com. Why do we need to pray? We don't pray because God needs our prayers. We pray because we need God's grace. And every day when I face the day, I realize I have no idea what I'm doing. (laughs) And I need God to walk me through my day, step by step, giving me the grace, the counsel, the love, the encouragement that enables me to glorify him in everything that I do and become the person he wants me to be. Prayer is my lifeline. 19 past, here's Anna with headlines. Pope Francis yesterday addressed a delegation from the Latin American Research and Training Commission for the Protection of Minors, saying the scourge of child abuse must be addressed by the entire society. Officials say that ethnic Armenians have begun their exodus from Artsakh, also known as Nagorno-Karabakh, following last week's takeover by the Azerbaijani military. And the Attorney General of California 
is suing pregnancy centers over abortion pill reversal. News at the top and bottom of each hour every weekday morning here on the Sunrise Morning Show. Today, the Feast of Saints Cosmos and Damien. Of course, twin saints, and that's always fun. So happy feast day to any twins out there. You know, Anna Mitchell, in uh, our local broadcasts, we actually have an underwriter in the Cincinnati area called Twin Dental. Oh, yeah. And so I just want to give a shout-out to uh, to Catholic Dentists, the Rothen brothers, who uh, are kind enough to use their dentistry practice <laughs> to, to underwrite awesome. the Catholic radio station. So they're not exactly – I mean, they're not named Cosmos and Damien, but that's a very Cosmos and Damien kind of thing to do. Yep, yep, Go help is. people with their teeth and then – you well, know, I'm go looking forward. the spread of the gospel. I'm looking forward to the conversation you're going to have with Mike Aquilina at the end of this hour because they're known as non-mercenaries, meaning they weren't in it for the money. Right. And I think that that's such a cool title to receive. Non-mercenaries, Cosmos and Damien, pray for, for us. Waking up with Mystic Monk Coffee is definitely a better way to start your day. Not only are you getting a great cup of coffee, but your purchase helps support the life of the Carmelite monks of Wyoming. And your purchase can also help our work. All you need to do is go first to sonricemorningshow.com. When you click the Mystic Monk link on the side of the page, we earn a commission. Support the monks and support the Sunrise Morning Show. Click the Mystic Monk link at sunrisemorningshow.com. That's sonrisemorningshow.com. You start your day a better way by listening to the Sunrise Morning Show. Soon you'll be able to watch as well. That's right. Starting September 25th, you'll be able to watch the Sunrise video stream on social media and at sunrisemorningshow.com. You'll also be able to see the faces of the regular Sunrise Morning Show family. Plus, you'll get to see what my hair looks like first thing in the morning. And whether I ever crack a smile at Matt's terrible jokes. Spoiler alert, she does. Sunrise goes to video September 25th. Tune in at sunrisemorningshow.com. This is Father Don Trannell of the Glenmary Home Missioners. Please join me in praying a Glenmary Community Mission Prayer. Oh, loving Father, may your spirit guide our missionary service. Like Jesus, may we proclaim the reign of God is at hand. Like Peter, may we fall on our knees at the sight of your great catch. Like Paul, may we strive to share the gospel with all people. Like Isaac Jobs and companions, may we willingly sacrifice our lives in service to the people of rural America. O creator of all, give us the courage to leave the 99 and go after the lost one. Grant us the joy to rejoice over the found one. Compel us to care for the victims we find along the road. Move us to embrace the prodigals returning home. We ask this through your Son, our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Amen. It's 23 minutes past the hour. You're listening to the Sunrise Morning Show on the EWTN Global Catholic Radio Network. Happy to have you along with us on this Feast of Saints Cosmos and Damien. Pray for us. Marlon De La Torre is back with us now on the Sunrise Morning Show. He's Senior Director of the Department of Evangelization for the Diocese of Columbus. He writes at knowingisdoing.org. Good morning, Marlon. Go Bucks. Good morning, Eddie, and go Bucks. Have you recovered 
from this weekend? You know what? It was a it was a very tantalizing game. <laughs> as, as people know, my, my only two football loyalties in college, Ohio State and, and Notre Dame, so it was kind of a uh, bipolar experience. No offense um, to anyone out there, but uh, uh, but I, I I have to admit the the last drive was was quite uh, quite enjoyable to watch. Whew. I am still recovering myself. So anyway, it's good to talk to you afterwards. Likewise, likewise. So uh, not the topic of our conversation today, the Ohio State Notre Dame game. We are going to be talking today about helping others to find Jesus. And you tell a story in your blog post about a guy named Tim. Tell mm-hmm. us Tim's story. You know, I, I mean, Tim not being his real name, obviously, Um was a gentleman who had, who had visited me for for some time, and he just uh, w- was trying to find his way. Uh, I would say, not even a nominal Catholic, Catholic just by baptism by chance, if that makes sense. And he he kind of had a, a very uh, very simple way of looking at the world. Uh, he understood maybe, all right, maybe I should go to to church on Christmas, maybe a funeral, and, and that was really the majority of his upbringing. Uh, he, he was somebody who was pretty, pretty content being nothing when it comes to spirituality. I mean, it's just him, the world and his job and, and, and how he, he viewed life. And so this particular story struck him because he, he was profoundly moved by somebody who he appeared to be, you know what, this guy maybe looks disheveled, maybe looks distraught, but he was caught by how he took the time to say a blessing before a meal. And this, for whatever reason, overwhelmed him. Um, amidst the chaos of the restaurant, everybody minding their own business, eating their meal, this particular man just struck him as if he's the only one that existed in the restaurant. And he took time out to, to pray. And for whatever reason, this moved him. This, this so just brought him outside of his normal reality that he was compelled to ask him why why would you do that because his perception of him was oh this guy looks tired looks dead looks beaten um he doesn't look very happy but the moment he asked him this guy just gave out a profound joy a profound sense of happiness that well let me tell you why and unbeknownst to tim this gentleman just evangelized to him through his personal witness of why he would take time out to give glory and thanks to god for this meal and it started tim on his journey praise god and this was something that moved him to the point where all right how did you find him who's him being jesus christ what drew you to him and why would you through all your perceived calamity your suffering that you would still give thanks to someone that I just can't understand. Um, and this was really part of his background, um, which was really moving to, to hear and to really realize that it, it's sometimes it is that, that simple glance at someone's life that can move you. Mm. Marlon, you know, we have all of these evangelization programs. Mm-hmm. We have churches that are mm-hmm. open on Sundays. I mean, there mm-hmm. are those that that think all we need to evangelize is just Mm -hmm. to have a broken person walk into a Mm -hmm. beautiful liturgy. And I'm not Mm -hmm. discounting that because those things can work for sure. And Mm -hmm. I do not place limits on the Holy Spirit. Mm -hmm. But Tim would have been nowhere near them. I mean, like he was just Mm -hmm. not in Mm -hmm. that realm. Correct. And that's where a lot of our faithful are today. I think yesteryear, I'd say 25 years ago, you at least had a semblance of people looking 
for for God. And when they could find something that would parallel that thought of God, they would walk into a, to a Catholic church, walk into a mass, a liturgy, and be profoundly moved because somehow that resonates with them. Uh, I believe, unfortunately, we don't have as much of that anymore. And so it's really going to be ultimately the, that, the individual that could express a sense of peace uh, amongst calamity. And that I think that I believe is what we're, uh, I think, facing now. And for Tim, thank God he he had someone that was able to push against the tide by himself, unbeknownst to this poor guy who was eating his meal, uh, but was able to move him. And but I, I believe you're correct. Not everybody is moved by a program, and unfortunately, not everybody can be moved the moment they step into a Catholic church. Well, they may you not know? even find them. If they're not looking for him. And what I think is so beautiful about this man is that, I mean, I don't know how well catechized this man sitting Mm -hmm. at his meal was. He didn't need Mm -hmm. to be. I was so struck by how simple his answer was and Mm -hmm. how I would have never thought to say, I never know when my last meal on earth will be. So Mm -hmm. I give thanks to the Lord Jesus for this food. Correct. Like I who sit on Catholic radio five days a week, three hours a day, mm-hmm. and that answer never occurred to me. Yeah, yeah, and he, you know the irony. I actually know the guy that did that to Tim. Wow. And um, which was really, really funny in the end. So I thought it was just very providential for Tim. Wow. Yeah, providential is a yeah. great word for this yeah. for this story of Tim. And thank God know um, for it it's such i mean i i'm i was so struck by it so struck by it go read about it over at knowing is doing.org we've been talking to marlon de la torre you can find knowing is doing linked at sunrise morning show.com marlon thank you so much and go bucks appreciate it, annie go bucks you can find all of our guests linked at sonrisemorningshow.com. Be sure to click that subscribe button so you can get it emailed to you every day as we go on the air. Sunrisemorningshow.com. Half past the hour now on the Sunrise Morning Show. It's time for news. Seven Republican presidential candidates have qualified for Wednesday's debate in California. The RNC announced yesterday that... Former Arkansas Governor Asa Hutchinson, who did take part in the first debate in Milwaukee last month, did not make the cut. Florida Governor Ron DeSantis and former Vice President Mike Pence will return to the stage, along with North Dakota Governor Doug Burgum, former New Jersey Governor Chris Christie, and former U.N. Ambassador Nikki Haley. The group will also include entrepreneur Vivek Ramaswamy and South Carolina Senator Tim Scott. Former President Trump has decided to skip the debate. Pope Francis yesterday addressed a delegation from the Latin American Research and Training Commission for the Protection of Minors. He said to them, the scourge of child abuse must be addressed by the entire society. From Vatican Radio, Lisa Zingarini has more. The abusers that have affected the church are only a pale reflection of a sad reality that involves all of humanity and to which the necessary attention is not paid. In his address, the Pope associated the suffering of abused children and of all vulnerable persons to that of the suffering of Christ, recalling the martyr child St. Christopher de la Guardia, celebrated on the 25th of September in Spain 
Spain. Pope Francis warmly thanked the Catholic Latin American Commission involved in training priests and religious for the protection of minors, saying its work is one of the several contributions to the progress the Church has made in the past years in addressing and eradicating child abuse. He remarked that it must also be a significant work for society so that the steps and achievements of the church in this field can be an incentive for other institutions to promote this culture of care, referring to the image that identifies each of the little ones with Christ himself. The Pope further noted that the church's efforts in fighting this scourge is not limited to the mere application of protocols, but also entrusted to Jesus in prayer. Concluding his address, Pope Francis invited to pray St. Theresa of the Child Jesus so that those who commit these crimes may be converted and see in their victims the eyes of Jesus. I am Lisa Zingarini. The Attorney General of California is suing pregnancy centers in his state for what he claims is false advertising. In his lawsuit, Rob Bonta targeted what he called misleading advertising of abortion pill reversal. Bonta calls the centers predatory and is accusing them of making false promises to pregnant patients. President Biden will join the picket lines alongside United Auto Workers members in Michigan today. Press Secretary Corrine Jean-Pierre says the president is hoping for a, quote, win-win agreement. Union members are striking against the big three automakers calling for higher wages and job protections. The Writers Guild of America leadership is set to vote today on whether or not to approve a tentative deal that would end the writer's strike. Its negotiating committee reached the agreement with Hollywood's top studios over the weekend, suspending all picketing. If the deal is agreed upon, it would then go to the roughly 11,000 WGA members for their approval. The writer's walkout began more than 140 days ago, bringing the film and TV industry to a halt. Libyan officials are being detained in an investigation into the deadly collapse of two dams after flooding in the coastal city of Derna. Brian Shook has more. A statement from the Libyan attorney general's office says that 16 top officials are potentially facing a criminal case. Derna's mayor and several water infrastructure authorities are included in those detained. Heavy rain sent massive flooding through the city on September 10th, killing close to 4,000. I'm Brian Shook. The bishops of Canada are meeting this week with a number of important life issues to discuss. The Catholic News Agency reports their plenary assembly runs through Thursday. Among the items on their agenda are discussions on the rise of deaths by euthanasia in their country, as well as the protection of minors. That's the news on the Sunrise Morning Show. It's 30. You start your day a better way by listening to the Sunrise Morning Show. Soon you'll be able to watch as well. That's right. Starting September 25th, you'll be able to watch the Sunrise video stream on social media and at sunrisemorningshow.com. You'll also be able to see the faces of the regular Sunrise Morning Show family. Plus, you'll get to see what my hair looks like first thing in the morning. And whether I ever crack a smile at Matt's terrible jokes. Spoiler alert, she does. Sunrise goes to video September 25th. Tune in at sunrisemorningshow.com. 
This past year has been a crazy roller coaster ride, but you have the power to get your business back on track by underwriting the Sunrise Morning Show. Weekday mornings, your message will reach millions of engaged Catholic listeners across the U.S. and around the globe who want to know more about and support Catholic businesses and organizations. To get national exposure for your business, ministry, or nonprofit on the Sunrise Morning Show, email me, Leah, at sacredheartradio.com. That's Leah at sacredheartradio.com. This is Every Day with St. Francis de Sales. Do not get all worked up about the future disasters of this world, which may never occur anyway. Jesus commanded St. Peter to walk on the water, but Peter, frightened by a gust of wind, almost drowned. Then he pleaded with the Lord, who said to him, What little faith you have! And putting forth his hand, he saved him. If God asks you to walk on the turbulent waters of adversity, do not doubt, have courage, and you will be safe. Let us rejoice in the good that others do, and even back up their efforts. God may be better served by others than by ourselves. For Sacred Heart Radio, I'm Father Chris Armstrong. The Sunrise Morning Show continues. I'm Matt Swain and Anna Mitchell. Uh, since you and I have been messaging off the air, mm-hmm. because you know Father Boniface was talking a little bit about charismatic gifts, and we were trying to like process that because you know it is kind of a mysterious world, and neither you or I nor I um, are involved in you know charismatic renewal, right? You know communities or anything like that. But we both have like friends and family who are. Uh, <laughs> And oh actually, yeah, you know, in like a really strong way in our circles, mm-hmm. uh, that very much comes up. I thought it would be interesting because I sent you a video. You asked me a question. I sent you a video that I hope you watch later today. Oh, okay. By your buddy and mine, Doctor Paul Thigpen, who oh. was a Pentecostal pastor, and years and years ago, um, at one of the Coming Home Network's Deep in History conferences, he did a uh, talk, and it was called "From Topeka to Rome." how the Pentecostal movement has brought millions closer to the Catholic Church. Oh, wow. <laughs> Which, it's like, a hist- it's like a history of American Pentecostalism and kind of like a personal history of him. Uh, but I had never really kind of timed things the way that uh, Father Boniface had talked about the timing of, of Pope Leo and, you know, praying to the Holy Spirit and, and, and all those other things. But what's interesting, I don't want to speak too much of the history because I'll get dates wrong and I'll mm-hmm. mispronounce people's names. Sure. But I can sum up a couple of interesting points that Paul made that have really stuck with me in my work with Pentecostals who are exploring Catholicism. Mm-hmm. So if you look around mainline Christianity, uh, and even if you look in sort of non-denominational megachurch Christianity, you will hear people say things like... Um, we're going to pray that the Holy Spirit comes and we will pray that a mighty move of God takes place, right? And, you know, maybe you have that moment in your service and maybe you don't. There are even some mainline denominations who are like, you know, that age was just for the Acts of the Apostles and the Holy Spirit doesn't do stuff like that anymore. There's kind of a special occasion. We don't deal with spiritual warfare like that. There's not really miracles even. They're cessationists Hmm. who believe that there's not even any miracles anymore. Well, there are a couple of groups out there 
Christian groups who believe that when you call down the Holy Spirit, the Holy Spirit comes down. One of those would be the Pentecostals. The other group is us. Yeah, I was going to say, <laughs> that's uh, yeah, that happens at every Mass. At every Mass in the Epiclesis. And numerous Pentecostals I know who have become Catholic, uh, a big part of their journey has been their eyes kind of opening to that. Like, the Holy Spirit is not done with the church. The Holy Spirit is in every single service acting powerfully to transform the elements of ordinary bread and wine into the body and blood of Christ. And but that's if you at didn't the command that, of the priest. It's not like I can make, you know, call right. down the Holy Spirit in the way that a priest does, though. Well, and I'm not saying that the Pentecostals are doing it, right? And there's a lot of theatrics and and whatever. I'm not saying anything other than to say if you're a Pentecostal and your brain's wired that way and then you walk into a Catholic Mass and mm-hmm. you see a priest say, may your spirit come upon these gifts and somebody rings a bell and then he holds up this stuff that you don't even know what it is and says, behold, the Lamb of God, that hits different to, to a Pentecostal. Interesting. It hits sure. Different. I mean, that makes sense. You know, it happens... Well, I think I'm pretty sure it, in every sacrament, yes, and epiclesis, including during confession, when the priest puts his hands, uh, extends his hands over us and and prays the prayer of absolution. Where's the sacrament of confession come from in the scriptures? It's from Jesus breathing on, on yeah, his apostles and saying, "Receive apostles. the Holy Spirit." Exactly. Uh, there's so I mean, it's a it's a very much a, a charismatic kind of gift, <laughs> right? Mm-hmm. Um, but another thing too, and Paul points this out in this deep in history video, which I really should link on our Facebook page, is that you really um, should. I really should. That that idea of miracles, like Pentecostals believe that you can pray and miracles can happen, right? Mm-hmm. Um, and the Catholic Church has like a whole operation dedicating to investigating these things because we know that a bunch of the accounts of them are actually legitimate and real and true. Yeah. Um, there's not like a, it's not like the Presbyterian Church has a department for investigating miracles. Yeah. Um, but then there's the other thing, Anna Mitchell. What's that? And you may not realize this, but relics are a fascinating draw for Pentecostals because really? Pentecostals, yes, why? Um, because they they believe in the uh, the power of the anointing of God on the man of God, as it were you know, meaning the preacher or whoever, because they look back at the book of Acts and they talk about, you know, the apostles walking and even people on whom the shadows fell, right, were healed. Bear in mind that these are these are ministries that uh, Pentecostal ministries are very connected with, with healing and miracles, and a lot of it has to do with things that are touched by certain things, right? They, it, hmm. You may not have paid attention to this, but a lot of televangelists through the years have sold prayer shawls that, you know, so-and-so touched or cried on, <laughs> Right. Oh, yeah. And so when a Pentecostal formed in that way can go into some place that has a relic of the true cross, right, or has something that was touched by an apostle or touched the tomb of an apostle, that means something to a Pentecostal. Wow. Not every Pentecostal every time, but those are some interesting touch points that I've heard as recurring themes in the stories of Pentecostals who've become Catholic. Hmm. I'm trying to draw on my college days when I would go to Pentecostal services because all of my friends went to, um, it was an Assemblies of God church. 
Yeah, that's Pentecostal. Yeah. That's Jimmy Swaggart's church. He was Assemblies of God. Oh, really? Mm-hmm. Huh. Who knew? I didn't. I knew. Uh, Tim Staples knew. None of that really meant anything to me in college. I just went and played guitar during their worship time and, you know, sat and listened to a sermon, and then I went to Mass on Sunday nights. Yeah. The... Well, I'll say this, and, and we're going to get into more of this as we continue with Father Boniface, but the Holy Spirit, the one thing the Holy Spirit is not going to tell you because sometimes people will just have something in their head and think that if it's in my head, it's from the Holy Spirit. Whatever it is, check it against the church. Check, check it, it in light of the church. the church. Because the Holy Spirit's not going to say, leave the church and go do your own thing. Mm-hmm. The Holy Spirit's not going to say, go start from scratch over here, reject all the authorities over you, mm-hmm. uh, and then go be your own rogue situation with your own secret messages, Right. Um, And that's one of the, I mean, even when it comes to private revelations, uh, the church takes great care in figuring these things out. Or if someone, you know, wants to, you know, go off and start a movement and they say the Holy Spirit is leading us to start this new congregation, to start start this new movement, there's a process and a phase (laughs) that the church goes through to discern that. Or even Anna Mitchell, when someone says, I feel like the Holy Spirit is calling me to the priesthood or religious life. And the church will say, well, we'll see if we think the Holy Spirit is calling us to accept you, <laughs> right? Yeah. It's always within the framework. This is so interesting because um, last night I was doing the pre-class discussion at the Institute of Catholic Culture, um, on, and we were discussing, um, well, Cardinal Dolan's piece in our Sunday Visitor about Mass being too long. Which I have not commented on, and I wish you hadn't brought it up with only about— 90 seconds to go in this. Oh, segment. well, I mean, this just to say that I, I started, I, I'm sure you do, Matt. We should actually have a you and me conversation. I want to get Amy Wellborn on to talk about her she thoughts on it. Piece. She had a great piece that I think really, really put the finger on what the issue is. But just to speak to what you were saying, I went reading through Spirit of the Liturgy by Cardinal Ratzinger slash Pope Benedict XVI. And um, there were just some interesting things that he had to say about the newness of the liturgy. And I'll just read one little paragraph. He said, the more priests and faithful humbly surrender themselves to the descent of God, the more new the liturgy will constantly be and the more true and personal it becomes. Yes, the liturgy becomes personal, true and new, not through tomfoolery and banal experiments with the words, but through a courageous entry into the great reality that through the right is always ahead of us and can never quite be overtaken. So we'll just leave you with that because we got to go to a break so you can talk about Cosmos and Why you, What? I, I know. I'm sorry. You're just going to drop that on me? Well, just... you know, you did all this talking and I didn't have time to get in until the end. That was a bad move. <laughs> that, was a, that was a tricky move, Anna Mitchell. I know. We'll have to talk about it more later. Indeed. 13 till. We need your help. 
Hello, I'm Marianne Kuharski, Director of Pro-Life Across America. In my 30-plus years, I've never seen such a concerted attempt to silence our efforts and at a time when it's most needed. There's a powerful effort to prevent and block our pro-life messages. Our billboards, social media, and digital ads are all impacted. Unplanned pregnancies still happen. Our ads feature a hotline number connecting callers with more than 3,000 pregnancy support centers across America, offering alternatives to abortion, free ultrasound, and pregnancy help. Babies' lives are being saved. The need still exists. It really does. And Pro-Life Across America needs your help. To donate, please find us at ProLifeAcrossAmerica.org. Did you know I could suck my thumb before I was born? Yep, we all started small. Waking up with Mystic Monk Coffee is definitely a better way to start your day. Not only are you getting a great cup of coffee, but your purchase helps support the life of the Carmelite Monks of Wyoming. And your purchase can also help our work. All you need to do is go first to sonricemorningshow.com. When you click the Mystic Monk link on the side of the page, we earn a commission. Support the monks and support the Sunrise Morning Show. Click the Mystic Monk link at sunrisemorningshow.com. That's sonricemorningshow.com. If you're currently an EWTN media missionary or just interested in becoming one, we've got some great news. EWTN Media Missionaries has a new and improved website. EWTNMissionaries.com, designed with you in mind. Our new site is loaded with great features and it's easy to navigate. There are so many different ways that you can help EWTN. Join us in sharing the eternal word with the world. Visit EWTNMissionaries.com today. From FathersOfTheChurch.com, it's always great to catch up with Mike Aquilina. There he is. Good morning, Mike. Morning, Matt. So, September the 26th on the Roman calendar is the Feast of Saints Cosmas and Damien, who were twins and doctors. I don't know about you, I've known a lot of twins who go into the same profession uh, over the years, including my own brothers-in-law, who both ended up as police officers. Hey, that's cool. Uh, you know, I, I, now that you say that, I, I realize that I, I, I do as well. You know, there's a pair of dentists that sponsor the radio station here as well that are twin brothers. Uh, but Cosmas and Damien, around what time uh, were they living and where, and what was the state of the church? Well, they lived at the end of the 200s, um, and and the, the state of the church at, at that time was uh, was great turmoil. Uh, uh, Diocletian had just initiated the... Um, the, the the persecution that would be the most severe and far-reaching of of, uh, of the early church, uh, uh, it, it stretched from the end of uh, those last decades of the of the third century into the first decades of the fourth, and it was it was. Um, it was a holocaust, really. You know, he really did want to wipe out Christianity. It's not that he had a great hatred of Christianity. He was trying to unify the empire. Uh, he took great uh, steps to do that, and his advisors told him, "Listen, this Christianity is dividing our people. Um, we've got to, we've got to wipe it out." And he tried to wipe it out, and they were victims in that first persecution. And Cosmas of Damien, I mean, they were doctors in the church, but not doctors of the church, as it were. So it's interesting that he would see them as a threat. Uh, I mean, it's you, you could see why he would see Christians who are maybe theologians or bishops or priests as threats, but these were laymen. Uh, well, you know, I think that that often happens. Uh, these were laymen, and they were physicians, 
and they gave away their medical care for free. You know, and I think that this often happens that when Christians are very effective at what they what they do, uh, when they're when they're um, when they're doing great things that people are recognizing and and people are praising them for it, well, then they're seen as a great danger. I mean, we saw that toward the end of Mother Teresa of Calcutta's life, uh, suddenly people are writing negative books about her. I mean, really, what do you have against Mother Teresa of Calcutta? Well, she's Christian. She's making Christianity look good in a in a in a very public way. She's she's inspiring conversions, very high profile conversions. She's causing people to change their lives in a way that doesn't really correspond to uh, to the main cultural narrative right now. She's taking them away from from uh, from the great spending and partying that we're all encouraged to do. Well, I'm sure it was that way too in the lives of Cosmos and Damien. They were great physicians. They were effective physicians. They worked for free. You know, they wanted to heal people in imitation of Jesus, and and uh, and to someone like Diocletian, that was a that was a dangerous thing to have in the empire. Yeah, uh, and again, they answered to an authority that was higher than Diocletian, <laughs> which is ultimately uh, the big part of the problem. Uh, but Saint Cosmas and Damien, I, I mean, these are two names that we know uh, of physicians, of caregivers in the early church. But you have a book called The Healing Imperative, and you have all kinds of data and information and anecdotal evidence that healing the sick was something that the early Christians took very seriously. It was, and and uh, and and uh, it's interesting to note that um, that uh, th- there were that that doctors were were better represented um, in the Christian congregations than any other population. We do we we figure this out by analysis of inscriptions and documents and and everything that we have from the early church and we find more physicians than any any uh any other kind of uh, uh profession, you know, more more than bankers or lawyers or plumbers or or carpenters or anything like that. Physicians are number 1. So, you know, one of two things is happening there. Either Christians by nature are drawn to healing in imitation of Jesus the healer, or doctors are drawn to Christianity because they recognize in Christianity um, something of the of the the impulse toward love, toward goodness that they experience in their profession. And you know, there's something of this that I think speaks to the Catholic understanding of of, of who we are as human beings. Uh, you know, just as Catholic educators understand the need to educate the whole person. Uh, you know, physicians understand the need to heal the whole person. I don't know about you, uh, Mike, but there have been occasions where I've needed some help. Uh, and to be able to go to a doctor who uh, is a strong believer, uh, a good Catholic gentleman or, or woman in a couple of cases, who understands that this is a person who not just has physical needs, but also has spiritual needs. And I'm going to be there for them in a kind of holistic way. That's been my experience all my life, and I have a feeling, a strong feeling, that that was the experience of the Roman Empire. You know, before Christians entered the medical profession, there was no such thing as a hospital. You know, the, 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 the Greeks and the Romans and the Chaldeans and the Egyptians, they all had all of the material components available to them. They had the medical profession. You know, they, 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 they had money. They had, they had the technology, all of these things, but they never built a hospital. It took Christianity with those impulses toward charity and toward hospitality to invent this institution that now we think of as indispensable to civilization. You don't have a real city unless you have a few hospitals in it. Well, those, those institutions did not exist until Christianity created them. 
Well, I know you talk more about this in The Healing Imperative, the early church and the invention of medicine as we know it. If you could just kind of give us a snapshot of what you talk about in that book. Well, that is the, the, the big point, is that Christians did establish medical care as we know it today. And it was uh, a medical care that was sustained over time. It was open to all comers. And also, that Christianity established the conditions in the world that were necessary for the conduct of research in medicine. Uh, uh, doctors uh, were wandering professionals. They went from town to town uh, practicing medicine. Well, Christianity, in creating the hospital, made for a stable population of doctors who were able to work collegially and observe many cases over, over time and see together what works. This, these were conditions that were necessary for medical research. The science of medicine could not have advanced if Christianity had not acted on the charitable impulse to establish hospitals. It's a fascinating look into the early church and, you know, into early medicine. And if our listeners want to connect with you, Mike, get a copy of your book, The Healing Imperative. Where's the best place to go? Fathersofthechurch.com Which is, of, which is of course, linked to sunrisemorningshow.com. we got all kinds of jams mixing this morning. It's not like one of those rock stations. It's like you're listening to blah, 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 and then five different kinds of music happen in four seconds, and you're like, FM. Well, I don't know if you're listening on AM or FM or on the EWTN app or Sunrise Morning Show app or however you're listening. We're glad that you spent an hour with us, and we got another one coming right after the break. So uh, some great conversations coming up with Steve Ray. Chris McGregor is going to talk about what St. Gregory the Great had to say about uh, angels. So please do stay with us on most of these EWTN stations. It'll be another full hour. Back after this, it's three minutes till. Radio.com Arise, it's a new day. Hear his word, let us pray. The Sunrise Morning Show. Hey, a way to start your day. We continue on this Tuesday. It is the us. I almost said it's the September. It's not the September. It's the 26th of September. It's the Feast of St. Cosmas and Damien, and I need their prayers this morning. Let's pray in the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit. O glorious martyrs of Christ, Saints Cosmas and Damien, you gave your lives for the love of God, benefiting your fellow man and crowning your martyrdom with an open and loyal profession of your faith. You taught us to love God above all things and to love our fellow man as ourselves professing always and out, without fear the religion of your Lord, Jesus Christ. Glory be to the Father, and to the Son, and to the Holy Spirit, as it was in the beginning, is now, and ever shall be, world without end. Amen. Saints Cosmos and Damien, pray for us. It is the Sunrise Morning Show. Thanks for being along on a Tuesday morning. I'm Matt Swain. Anna Mitchell has news. Paul Lockman at the controls, and up this hour, Father Frank Donio, who is a member of the Palatines, will be uh, continuing our series on his founder, St. Vincent Pilati, and we're going to talk about uh, the mystical spirituality of St. Vincent this morning, some pretty interesting angles there. Dr. Jim Schrader is a child psychologist, and he is going to share some tips for if your kids have started the school year and they're going through some heavy things already. Now, there's no one-size-fits-all solution, 
But there's some good principles maybe to think about if you're trying to help your kid out with some of those heavier things like social media struggles or technology or bullying or things like that. Steve Ray is going to join us from the Holy Land, continuing our series on stuff in the Bible. Chris McGregor, speaking of stuff in the Bible, is going to talk about the angels, but she's going to talk about but about what Pope St. Gregory the Great had to say about the angels. So stay with us if you can. Right now it is two minutes past the hour. News of service of Bridgetown Finer Meats and BridgetownFinerMeats.com. Here's Anna Mitchell. Good morning. President Biden will be joining the picket lines with the United Auto Workers Union in Michigan today. Press Secretary Karine Jean-Pierre says the president is hoping for a win-win agreement. Union members are striking against the big three automakers currently calling for higher wages and job protections. Meanwhile, Riders Guild of America leadership is set to vote today on whether or not to approve a tentative deal that could end the writers' strike. Its negotiating committee reached the agreement with Hollywood's top studios over the weekend, suspending all picketing. If the deal is agreed upon, it would then go to the roughly 11,000 Writers Guild of America members for approval. The writers' walkout began more than 140 days ago, bringing the film and TV industry to a halt. Ethnic Armenians, officials say, have begun their exodus from Nagorno-Karabakh, also known as Artsakh, following last week's takeover by the Azerbaijani military. From Vatican Radio, Christopher Wells reports. David Babayan, an official in the region's ethnic Armenian government, has told Reuters news agency that he expects almost all of Karabakh's 120,000 ethnic Armenians to leave. They do not want to live as part of Azerbaijan, he said. 99.9% prefer to leave our historic lands. The fate of our poor people will go down in history as a disgrace and a shame for the Armenian people and for the whole civilized world. Nagorno-Karabakh is internationally recognized as part of Azerbaijan, but has been governed by ethnic Armenians since the collapse of the Soviet Union. Azerbaijan says that it wants to reintegrate the Armenians, now within its borders, as equal citizens. Armenia, however, has raised fears of human rights abuses and ethnic cleansing, pointing out that Azerbaijan has refused international oversight of the reintegration process and failed to provide details on how it would be achieved. The Armenian government has promised to accommodate all refugees from the enclave, saying it will lovingly welcome our brothers and sisters. In around the year 300, AD, Armenia became the first country in the world to officially adopt Christianity. Both the European Parliament and UNESCO, the United Nations Cultural Agency, have raised concerns over the destruction of the historic Christian sites in the enclave. In an interview with BBC in 2020, Azerbaijani President Ilham Aliyev denied that there is any cause for concern, suggesting the churches had been targeted accidentally. Pope Francis visited Armenia in 2016. Earlier this year, he sent Cardinal Pietro Perelin to the region to meet with both Armenian and Azerbaijani officials concerning the situation in Nagorno-Karabakh. I'm Christopher Wells. Pope Francis yesterday addressed a delegation from the Latin American Research and Training Commission for the Protection of Minors, saying to them that the scourge of child abuse must be addressed by society at large. He said... How the world would change if we saw in the suffering of every child, of every vulnerable person, 
a trade imprinted in the veil with which Veronica wiped the face of Christ. The Holy Father invited everyone to pray through the intercession of St. Therese for those who commit these crimes, that they may be converted and see in their victims the eyes of Jesus. The White House is warning of consequences of a government shutdown at the end of the month. Secretary of Agriculture Tom Vilsack said a shutdown would cut nutrition assistance for nearly 7 million mothers and children covered by the WIC program. It would also impact access to loans for farmers and housing loans for rural families. Congress needs to pass legislation to fund the government before October 1st. House Republic- Some House Republicans, however, have been divided on measures to keep the government open. Meanwhile, seven Republican presidential candidates have qualified for the debate in California. Mark Mayfield reports. The RNC announced on Monday that former Arkansas Governor Asa Hutchinson, who took part in the first debate in Milwaukee last month, didn't make the cut. Florida Governor Ron DeSantis and former Vice President Mike Pence will return to the stage, along with North Dakota Governor Doug Burgum, former New Jersey Governor Chris Christie, and former U.N. Ambassador Nikki Haley. The group also includes entrepreneur Vivek Ramaswamy and South Carolina Senator Tim Scott. Former President Trump is skipping the debate. I'm Mark Mayfield. NASA is hosting a teleconference today to discuss an upcoming solar eclipse. The annular eclipse will be visible from Oregon to Texas on October 14th, with a partial eclipse visible throughout lower 48. An annular eclipse is also called a ring of fire eclipse because the moon is far enough away from the Earth that it does not cover the entire sun like in a total eclipse, leaving an outside solar ring visible. The conference will stream live on NASA's website at 4 p.m. Eastern. And Travis Kelsey's football jersey sales are exploding in less than 24 hours after Taylor Swift was seen at the Kansas City Chiefs game against the Chicago Bears, Kelsey was listed as one of the top five selling NFL players and saw a 400% increase in sales. On Sunday, Swift was seen watching the game from Kelsey's suite with his mother. Rumors of a possible romance between the two have been flying over the last few weeks after TMZ reported they had been, quote, quietly hanging out i can't even keep, I, I can't even keep a straight face i was so excited to read this story and get your reaction Matt. why don't we just like spend time instead talking about other musical travises so i can have like a little taylor swift palate cleanser you know how you eat something and it's a little funny and you're like i gotta eat some crackers or something to get that story out of my you have no Let's comment. See. Did you buy a Travis Randy Kelsey Travis, football jersey? No. Merle Travis. <laughs> Travis Tritt. The band Travis. I was so I determined. I think I'm okay now. I think I I'm okay was... now. No, 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 no. Don't do it. Don't, don't go any farther down that road. I was just going to say, I was so determined to read that with a straight face. It didn't work, did it? No. No, it didn't. <sighs> well. I got to... I'm so disappointed in myself. I'm so disappointed. Anyway. Travis from Blink-182. Oh, yeah. Oh, wait. He married a Kardashian. He married a Kardashian. Yeah. Oh, I got to start over. <laughs> nice try, Matt. Nice try. Okay. I'm sorry, everyone. I'm not usually into those like TMZ-type stories, but that one was specifically for Matt. Anyway. 
Today is Tuesday, September the 26th. We're happy to have you along with us on this feast of Saints Cosmas and Damien. Pray for us. It's 10 past. Back with us now on the Sunrise Morning Show is Father Frank Donio from the Catholic Apostolate Center. Good morning, Father. Good morning, Anna. This is good to have you back. And we're continuing our mini-series on uh, the life, spirituality, and legacy of St. Vincent Pallotti, who founded the Palatine Order, of which you are a part. And today we are going to get a better sense of his spirituality. He was a mystic, wasn't he? He was indeed. Uh, and that's not a common thing to be an apostle and a mystic, somebody who's out in the streets caring for people and really having a very extensive work. And we talked about that in the last interview. And at the same time, a mystic. Now, he was often in, in deep prayer in the middle of the night because that's when he could pray. Although he was praying all the time, he would talk about, about seeing God in, in all things, similar to St. Ignatius, and, and this kind of this wide view. But just one little quote that I think speaks to him, his understanding, because he took it from not just simply the greater glory of God, he was looking at the infinite glory of God, and he was very much focused mm. on God who is infinite love. And he says this, my God, my Jesus, I intend to have loved you and to love you with all the love that was, is, and will be, that could be, and should have been in time and eternity, and with all your infinite love. Wow. Yes. And so there's these writings that we have similar to many of the of the mystics, if you've ever read mystical writing. And it's it's a challenge at times to get get into, but there were also really kind of strange things that would happen as well that were very mystical in his life. Yeah, one of them being the fact that he was able to bilocate. Yes, one of them, uh, the fact that he was able to bilocate. And it wasn't something that he could just, you know, kind of like magic Snap powers. Snap his fingers, yeah. <laughs> turn up his fingers and do. But it, it happened. There there were people there. There was... There's one instance where uh, somebody came rushing to, to him saying, you need to come now, Father Pilati. We someone is dying and so forth. And he he says that the person will be the person is fine. And and hmm. they'll, he had kind of gone into a trance. They thought he had fallen asleep. This was he was hearing confessions and the person goes back and says, well, Father Pilati was here. Well, he says, no, I, I was just with him. He was in both places, mm. and that that was only one instance. The when the when the cause for canonization was moving in the late nineteenth century, there were all kinds of stories uh, of this type. The other thing is, is that when he died, his body is is incorrupt, and you can see it in uh, the Church of Santissima Salvatore in Onda, which is attached to our General of the Palatines. The church that he was given in the 18, late 1840s, and he's in a crystal um, ca and gold casket there underneath the main altar. Yeah, I want to go back to this point about how we talked to we talked about him as an apostle last week. We're talking about mm -hmm. him as as a mystic this week, and and putting those two together. I mean, that is a powerful, powerful saint. Yes, very rooted in 
So every he's so immersed in this experience of God, who he called infinite love, and he he very much focused on on the the infinite aspect. In fact, if you look at the the logo of the Catholic Apostolate Center, you'll see this this infinity sign with the with a a Greek cross that that goes out to all the world. Um, that this love goes out to all the world, and he experienced this very deeply. He also had a deep uh, mystical experiences connected to his devotion to the Blessed Mother as well. Oh, he tell us called, more. <laughs> he had what was called a, a mystical espousal with the Blessed Mother. This is something that is, has been granted to some saints, uh, this, the, that the devotion is, is of such a, a high level that there is this intimate connection that, that occurs because he, he recognized, he was very Marian, and he recognized the uh, well, this in, in his experience of devotion to the Blessed Mother, the, a way to Christ and, not, and, and a way that was, uh, that was not, not so significant that in his mystical experiences, he had this intimate connection with the Blessed Mother. And this, as I said, some saints have had this, this, this type of experience, and it's, it's called a mystical espousal. And uh, it is something that very difficult for us to understand, you know, as kind of normal people. But, <clears throat> but for mystics, their experience of God is so intimate. And that's why he, he called himself nothingness and sin, because he was so closely connected in these mystical experiences with God and also in his relationship with the Blessed Mother, that he recognized in the smallest of things his, his lack, his sinfulness, his nothingness before the infinity of God. <laughs> I can only imagine, my goodness, to, to have those experiences and be able to recognize the, the grandeur, the, the infinity of God. Um, but I think this is so beautiful, this merging of, of the mystical with the, the apostolicity um, that, that he's receiving all of this love, but he doesn't receive it for himself. He receives it no. for, for all. His motto was, uh, which other saints had taken up as well, but from St. Paul, the charity of Christ urges us on or the love of Christ impels us. So he experienced this love, but he could never keep it to himself. He had to, he was impelled to go forth out into the world and bring to, to the suffering to anyone who, who needed this experience. And he believed that was everyone. And, and so he... He, as we, we talked about prior, you know, he was confessor to popes and the poor, and he was out there with the poorest of the poor. So he knew he he was just moved in an incredible way by these experiences of encounter with God in a deep and, and intimate way that uh, that we, we we see in, in in so many of the great mystics. But this combination is somewhat unique is incredible. Thank you so much, Father Frank Tonio. You can find the Catholic Apostolate Center. Go check out that that logo that he was talking about over at catholicapostolatecenter.org. 17 past now on the Sunrise Morning Show. We're back with headlines right after this.
The new feature film, Mother Teresa and Me, sponsored by Fathom Events, is in theaters Thursday, October 5th. Mother Teresa and Me weaves together the stories of two women, Mother Teresa, who served the poor with love amidst her dark night of the soul, and Kavita, a young woman who is searching for love while struggling with her unexpected pregnancy. Mother Teresa and Me, in theaters Thursday, October 5th. More information at fathomevents.com. That's fathomevents.com. For over 500 years, the church-honored spiritual exercises of St. Ignatius of Loyola have formed many saints. This treasured way of personal prayer with God is now available to you for free. Order your free training manual at lordteachmetopray.com and bring Ignatian prayer to others. Lord Teach Me to Pray is approved by the USCCB. Order your free training manual at lordteachmetopray.com. Lord Teach Me to Pray underwrites the Sunrise Morning Show. It's back to school time and back to a busier morning routine. If you're going to need some help to get going, get yourself a few bags of Mystic Monk coffee. And when you go to the Mystic Monk site through the link you find at sunrisemorningshow.com, you'll give us a boost with a commission on your purchase. While you're at our site, pick up a Sunrise Morning Show mug or travel mug and perhaps a water bottle for your student. All available in our online store. Find our store and link to Mystic Monk coffee at sonrisemorningshow.com. Divine Intimacy Radio. When you engage with the wisdom of saints this way, it stokes the fires of God in our hearts, encourages us, strengthens us, and gives us wisdom to deal with the difficulties of life. It also gives us wisdom that allows us to rise above all of the junk, to live with joy and peace in the midst of even the most difficult circumstances. Divine Intimacy Radio, Sunday, 6.30 a.m., 1.30 p.m., and 11 p.m. Eastern on EWTN Radio. 19 minutes past the hour. Here's Anna with headlines. President Biden will be joining the picket line alongside United Auto Workers Union members today. Ethnic Armenian Christians have begun their exodus from their traditional homeland of Nagorno-Karabakh, also known as Artsakh, following last week's takeover by the Azerbaijani military. And Pope Francis yesterday addressed a delegation from the Latin American Research and Training Commission for the Protection of Minors, talking about how the scourge of child abuse must be addressed by the entire society. Next newscast coming up at about half past the hour. Anna Mitchell, I uh, log on to Twitter every morning and it's just I'm sorry. Horrible, horrible takes getting elevated. Mm-hmm. Uh, and a lot of people getting caught up in things. I try not to get caught up in them. But I just wanted to, to put it out there that it can also distort your perspective when you see people fighting over church and people in the church. In a normal room, if there were two crazy people on one side and two crazy people on the other side and 22 normal people in the middle, those people would be like ruining the vibe and crushed out. <laughs> there are more normal people than you think. They are just not on Twitter. They're not as loud. I'm And back to a busier morning routine. If you're going to need some help to get going, get yourself a few bags of Mystic Monk coffee. And when you go to the Mystic Monk site through the link you find at sunrisemorningshow.com, you'll give us a boost with a commission on your purchase. While you're at our site, pick up a Sunrise Morning Show mug or travel mug and perhaps a water bottle for your student. 
all available in our online store. Find our store and link to Mystic Monk Coffee at sonrisemorningshow.com. This past year has been a crazy roller coaster ride, but you have the power to get your business back on track by underwriting the Sunrise Morning Show. Weekday mornings, your message will reach millions of engaged Catholic listeners across the U.S. and around the globe who want to know more about and support Catholic businesses and organizations. To get national exposure for your business, ministry, or nonprofit on the Sunrise Morning Show, email me, Leah, at sacredheartradio.com. That's Leah at sacredheartradio.com. This is Father Rob Jack. Please join with me now in this prayer for priests. God, our Father, you entrust your priests with the care of your people. Through their teaching, leading, and sanctifying, they gather your church into one body and strengthen her in her evangelical mission. Bless our priests and bishops, especially those for whom we now pray. Give them the grace to be effective witnesses of your mercy, love, and truth. Bless those priests who suffer from sickness and disease, both in mind and body. Bless our dying priests. May they offer their sufferings for the good of all your people and find healing and consolation in this life, if it be your holy will. Bless those priests who have failed and suffer hardship. Send them your spirit of forgiveness and help them to turn again to you. Lord, deepen our love for our priests. Lord, inspire many young men to answer your call to the priesthood. We ask this through Christ our Lord. Amen. The Sunrise Morning Show continues. I'm Matt Swaim, joined now by Dr. James Schrader, Vice President of the Psychology and Wellness Department for Easter Seals Rehab Center. Find his writing and podcasts at james-schrader.com. You can also catch him every now and then in places like the National Catholic Register. Dr. Schrader, good morning. Yeah, good morning. So I know that you, at the beginning of school, well, let's just say business is probably booming for you because all the issues that might have been put off during the summer kind of resurface when kids go back to school. Uh, but when it comes to the major issues, um, especially when it comes to adolescents who are facing kind of big things in their life, parents can feel kind of helpless, can't they? I mean, is this part of why it's important to have you know, kind of larger psychological conversations? Yeah, they can. I mean, there's so much that goes on when you come back to school, and it's not just the academics, right? It's coming back into the social world. It's coming back into managing the technology. It's coming back into all sorts of things that are going on. And so, yeah, I think it's one of the reasons why we as parents, one of the first things we always have to do in general is to make sure we're having ongoing conversations about really relevant issues. And I think you know, a lot of people have grown up in places or had situations where they just they felt like they were trying to go through the motions, but they were struggling because they didn't really feel like there was an avenue of communication that was always open. And so they didn't really know how to reach out in a positive way. And then that often leads to negative, you know, habits and behaviors. Well, I mean, there's also a lot of, and uh, I'm not going to say other people, I'll say me, of thinking, well, let me just bring in my own memories of similar experiences, and I'll, I'm going to crack this case at home. Right? I don't need right. any outside help. <laughs> you know. And there should be a reliance upon our own experience of these issues and what we thought was handled well or poorly in our own experience, but we've got a whole community. We've got a whole church full of people. We've got a whole body of research that shares us, shares all kinds of interesting things that might be helpful to us. Yeah, and that's true. I mean, we as parents would like to think that we can take care of everything on our own. But sometimes, I mean, true strength, true resiliency lies in the fact of saying, hey, look, here's what I have to offer. 
but I also realize that you probably are needing some other resources, right? And those resources are available. And I think that's one of the things that we have to remember as parents is that fear is often the major component, the major reason why all of us don't necessarily get the help we need. And maybe it's fear of embarrassment, right? Maybe it's fear of trying something and, and then you think, oh, but what if I fail or what if my kids try it and they fail? I mean, fear is, you know, it's understandable. It's very, very natural. But unfortunately, it is often resistance. And I was talking about this recently, the idea that, you know, fear exists on a continuum. On one of the continuum is what we call the true real threat continuum or part of the continuum. Like, you know, my fear of walking across the interstate or my fear of being around someone who's abusive. Like there's a true threat there and that fear is kind of guiding us away from something that is not safe. But on the other end of the continuum is what we call that resistance, um, that idea of that I have fear that really is actually resistance towards you know, greater growth in my capacity, greater growth in the areas I need to improve. And of course, everything that lies in, in between, you know, you can kind of have a mixture of both. But so often, I think with us and our kids, we find that, that the fear we're having is largely weighted in that area of resistance. And it's not so much that there's a true threat that awaits this, but rather it's resistance to something that's much better. And that's, that's where we really have to focus our attention on avenues of growing through that. I think one of the things that parents tend to struggle with um, quite a bit, at least all the parents that I talk to whenever I commiserate, is that you know, where is that balance between being in the situation as much as you're supposed to be without smothering a person, <laughs> you know, right. because right. you don't want to be distant and seem like you're not there for your kid, but you don't want to be smothering until where they're just like, ah, just leave me alone, dad. Right. I mean, these, right. these are the things that, that I think a lot of parents, when it comes to, I mean, and you've mentioned things like bullying or maybe like trouble on social media or trouble with boundaries, uh, trouble with stuff at school that kids aren't really willing to even talk about. Like, I mean, I feel like that's a tension that, that a lot of parents have to deal with. Like, how much is too much? How much is too little when I get involved? Right. We, I was actually speaking at a couple of parishes up in Minneapolis this past weekend, and we were having this very discussion that we're talking about right now, which is that you feel like part of you feels like when your kids are struggling, that as a good parent, you immediately need to swoop in and kind of rescue them and, like, take care of what's going on and make sure that you have solutions and everything available. But what we were saying was that while at that is out of good intent, you know, that's out of good care, especially as our kids are getting older, if we continue to do that too much, right, we continue to be in helicoptering in or whatever else, we can also kind of be preventing development of skills that these kids need as they're getting into be adults. And so one of the merges that I said this weekend we were talking about as an idea is that if you're a parent in this situation, you can kind of you can provide care, you can provide conversation, you can provide re reflection and ideas to a certain extent. But one thing we shouldn't do, especially with our adolescents, is we shouldn't allow them just to avoid something altogether, like maybe avoid making a decision about it or avoid um, taking a step that is necessary to kind of remedy a situation. So the merge here is to say, look, and this is literally what I would say to one of our adolescents, like, hey, look, here's how I'm going to help you out with this. But you've got to be part of this. You've got to be a co-partner. Like, I'm not going to rescue you from this. And so by not rescuing them fully, you are still kind of encouraging their development um, to the point that it's, you know, good for getting older in their adulthood. But at the same time, you're showing some level of care um, and concern that they recognize. You know who else says, 
I want to be involved in your life and I want to give you the, the help that you need to do things, but I want you to be involved in this process and be a cooperator in it. Uh, yeah. God. 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 Right. Right. We are co-partners in everything we do, and that's why we have this gift of free will that we are left to use, right? Yeah. Well, it just reminds us that parents, uh, you know, God gave us this vocation to be a reflection of what he wants for, for us. So... Great stuff, Dr. James Schrader. Really appreciate you as always. We've got you linked at sunrisemorningshow.com. Have a great day. Yeah, you too. Thanks. And while you're there, put in your email and subscribe. Get those show notes delivered to your inbox every day. Sunrisemorningshow.com. Click subscribe. Half past the hour, here's Anna with news. Good morning. President Biden will be joining the picket lines alongside the United Auto Workers Union members in Michigan today. The press secretary says the president is hoping for a win-win agreement between union members striking and the big three automakers. The union members are calling for higher wages and job protections. Writers Guild of America leadership is set to vote today on whether or not to approve a tentative deal that could end the writers' strike. Its negotiating committee reached an agreement with Hollywood's top studios over the weekend. If the deal is agreed upon, it would then go to the roughly 11,000 WGA members for approval. The walkout began more than 140 days ago. Pope Francis yesterday addressed a delegation from the Latin American Research and Training Commission for the Protection of Minors. In his address, he told them the scourge of child abuse must be addressed by the entire society. From Vatican Radio, Lisa Zingarini has more. The abusers that have affected the church are only a pale reflection of a sad reality that involves all of humanity and to which the necessary attention is not paid. In his address, the Pope associated the suffering of abused children and of all vulnerable persons to that of the suffering of Christ, recalling the martyr child St. Christopher de la Guardia, celebrated on the 25th of September in Spain. Pope Francis warmly thanked the Catholic Latin American Commission involved in training priests and religious for the protection of minors, saying its work is one of the several contributions to the progress the Church has made in the past years in addressing and eradicating child abuse. He remarked that it must also be a significant work for society so that the steps and achievements of the church in this field can be an incentive for other institutions to promote this culture of care, referring to the image that identifies each of the little ones with Christ himself. The Pope further noted that the church's efforts in fighting this scourge is not limited to the mere application of protocols, but also entrusted to Jesus in prayer. Concluding his address, Pope Francis invited to pray St. Theresa of the Child Jesus so that those who commit these crimes may be converted and see in their victims the eyes of Jesus. I am Lisa Zingarini. The Attorney General of California is suing pregnancy centers in his state for what he claims is false advertising. In his lawsuit, Rob Bonta targeted what he called misleading advertising of abortion pill reversal. Bonta calls the centers predatory and is accusing them of making false promises to pregnant patients. The White House is warning of the consequences of a government shutdown potentially at the end of the month. Secretary of Agriculture Tom Vilsack 
said a shutdown would cut nutrition assistance for nearly 7 million mothers and children covered by the WIC program. It could also impact access to loans for farmers and housing loans for rural families. Congress needs to pass legislation to fund the government before October 1st. The House Oversight Committee will hold its first hearing on the impeachment inquiry into President Biden on Thursday. They'll likely focus on constitutional and legal questions around the president's alleged involvement in his son Hunter Biden's foreign business dealings during his time as vice president. Committee Chair James Comer also plans to subpoena the personal bank records of Hunter Biden and the president's brother, James Biden. Libyan officials are being detained in an investigation into the deadly collapse of two dams after flooding in the coastal city of Derna. Brian Shook reports. A statement from the Libyan attorney general's office says that 16 top officials are potentially facing a criminal case. Derna's mayor and several water infrastructure authorities are included in those detained. Heavy rain sent massive flooding through the city on September 10th, killing close to 4,000. I'm Brian Shook. The bishops of Canada are meeting this week with a number of important life issues to discuss. The Catholic News Agency reports their plenary assembly runs through Thursday, and among the items on their agenda is a discussion on the rise of deaths by euthanasia in their country, as well as the protection of minors. That's the news. It's 35 past. You start your day a better way by listening to the Sunrise Morning Show. Soon you'll be able to watch as well. That's right. Starting September 25th, you'll be able to watch the Sunrise video stream on social media and at sunrisemorningshow.com. You'll also be able to see the faces of the regular Sunrise Morning Show family. Plus, you'll get to see what my hair looks like first thing in the morning. And whether I ever crack a smile at Matt's terrible jokes. Spoiler alert, she does. Sunrise goes to video September 25th. Tune in at sunrisemorningshow.com. The kids got new supplies for back to school, so what do the parents get? Well, we suggest treating yourself to some good coffee, and the Mystic Monks of Wyoming have a number of blends to choose from. And when you link to the Mystic Monk Coffee site through our site, sonrisemorningshow.com, we earn a commission on whatever you buy. You can also treat yourself to a Sunrise Morning Show mug or travel mug and a water bottle for your kid in our online store. Check out our store and link to Mystic Monk Coffee at sunrisemorningshow.com. The Baltimore Catechism asks, what is the Holy Eucharist? The Holy Eucharist is the sacrament which contains the body and blood, soul and divinity of our Lord Jesus Christ under the appearances of bread and wine. The Eucharist is truly Jesus. He who said, this is my body, this is my blood. And he says in John, my blood is true drink. My flesh is food indeed. He who eats it has eternal life, the source and the summit of all graces. The Eucharist is as much Christ as he was when he was here on earth, because it is the very substance of the Godhead. Thank you, Lord, for this great sacrament which you have given us. Help us to always love it and to serve it, to serve our Lord Jesus Christ, so that we might keep the faith until death and see you one day face to face. Reflecting on the Baltimore Catechism, I'm Dominican Father Ezra Sullivan. The 
Sunrise Morning Show continues. I'm Matt Swain, joined now by Steve Ray from CatholicConvert.com. He's a pilgrimage guide, has lots of great resources at his site as well. Steve, good morning. Good morning. Uh, Greetings from Jerusalem. Yeah, whenever we call you, I always kind of want to know where you are, and Jerusalem is a little broad. I want to know specifically where you're at today. We're at the Notre Dame Center. Our bus is coming in 25 minutes. And we're going to the airport to pick up 95 pilgrims for the next eight days to go through the land. I'm looking out over the Mount of Olives, the Kidron Valley, and the Holy Sepulchre right now. Wow. I've read about those places, you know. I read them out of I'm going to get you over here someday, Matt. I'm <laughs> going to get these you days. over here someday. One of these days. Well, we've been going through the unknown sorrows of Mary. Of course, many of our listeners are familiar with the Seven Sorrows Devotion. Uh, but you've been reflecting on the life of Jesus and Mary and some of those things that are sorrowful moments in her life that she might not have been familiar with. So let's start with the ninth unknown unknown sorrow. What would that be? Yes, I came up with 12, and we've done the first eight already. So the ninth one is kind of a two-parter, two-for-one, because Mary has to—Jesus at the cross said, Woman, this is now your son. So she no longer lives in the cave in Nazareth like she did before with her son. When a woman doesn't have a husband or a son, she could be destitute because that's how women survive. That's why it was such a thing to be a widow or an orphan. So John took her into his home, but that meant leaving Nazareth, her tiny little village of 250 people or so, her relatives and friends, to move down to the big city, kind of a megatropolis compared to Nazareth, of Capernaum, and she had to move into someone else's home. So the sorrow, I think, is she's no longer in the village that she's familiar with for the last 33 years. She's no longer the matron of her own dwelling place. She loses her privacy as she moves in with another big family, because she moves in John and James, who are the sons of Zebedee, and it's very likely that Zebedee owns the house, and they have different areas of the house, like they still do today. So Mary is going to be in John's portion, like apartment, but also James would be living there, and Zebedee would be living there. And so she's lost the privacy. And people could say, you know what, she's sinless, so she's going to just adapt. But she's still a human being, and she still has the same emotions that we do, and um, of being like a stranger in another person's home. I know it's difficult for me, and I think it was a sorrow for her. And then the second part of that is while she's living with John, she's also living with James. James and John are brothers. They would live together in the same dwelling, even though it might have multiple levels. And so there, James in uh, in Acts chapter 12, Herod beheads him. He cuts his head off. The first apostle to die is a martyr. And that's not a whole lot longer after the uh, Pentecost. So Mary has not only moved into the home of James and John and lost her being in charge of her own place, but now one of the two young guys that she's living with is killed. He's beheaded, and that's got to be like a son to her. So that's a real sorrow, I think. Well, and this next sorrow that you've mentioned also has to do with Mary moving around. Yes, again, she has to move again, because John, we know, becomes the bishop of Ephesus. We don't know exactly when that is, but she, as living with John, would have been with him, because it says in the Gospel of John, and he wrote this at around 100 A.D., he knew, he said that she moved in with him and lived with him for the rest of her time, from that time on. So she had to move to Ephesus, which is a very pagan town, very pagan city. And the early fathers recognized that John moved there and Mary moved there. And there's a house of Mary, 
there and Catherine Emmerich in a vision had it. The monks went up and they found this up on Nightingale Mountain above uh, Ephesus that John built for her. And when they had the Third Ecumenical Council of 431, they had it in Ephesus because they said they knew Mary had been there and lived there, and they went there to define Mary as the Mother of God, the Theotokos. So she has to move away from even from her land of Israel with her people and move to a pagan area of Ephesus. And by the way, the traveling had to be part of that as well because it's over a thousand miles if you're walking. 20 miles a day, calculate that. And she had, oh, if they went by ship, you had to rent your own space on the deck of the ship. You didn't have cabins like when I take my folks on a cruise, you have a nice cabin and restaurants. This one, you had to rent space on the deck of the ship, therefore you were subject to the weather, no toilets or anything else. So going from Jerusalem to Ephesus, living in a pagan country, and the rigors of travel there would have been a sorrow for her as well. Well, the 11th Unknown Star of Mary uh, is somewhat familiar to us because uh, we uh, mark it in the Feast of the Assumption. Some call it the Dormition, right? Of course, uh, this yeah. uh, this great thing of being united to Christ in heaven, but also leaving behind these apostles, you know, in the family of church on earth. But I want to focus on this 12th Unknown Sorrow because it's one that gets echoed every single time uh, we hear about an apparition of Mary. Uh, this 12th Sorrow comes up. Yes, yeah, so she she dies, which is a sorrow, of course, the separation of body and soul to go to heaven, but then she's rejoined with her body. But when she gets there, you'd think, oh, now Mary's in heaven, everything's joyful, everything is good, she has no more sorrows. But that's not right, because Mary looks down and she sees the earth and she sees the people, and she's sorrowful for all of those who reject her son and who don't have anyone to pray for them. And I, I'm just going to read this. This is the Venerable Lucia of Fatima, who had the visions along with uh, um, Francesco and Jacinta. He said, Francesco was a boy of few words. Whenever we prayed or offered sacrifices, he preferred to go apart and hide, even from Jacinta and myself. If I asked him, Francesco, which would you like to do better, to console our Lord or to convert sinners so that no more souls will go to hell? He said, I would rather console our Lord, he responded. Didn't you notice how sad Our Lady was the last month when she said that people must not offend our Lord anymore, for he is already much offended? I would like to console our Lord, and after that, to convert sinners. Why did he want to console our Lord? Because when Mary came to the children at Fatima, she was sorrowful and weeping because of the people who had rejected her son and were not repenting of their sins and being right with their son, with her son. So Mary is still in sorrows. She still has that sorrow for lost souls. And until the end of time, I think she will always have that sorrow. Yeah, well, and it is, again, we've got this whole month of September dedicated to Our Lady of Sorrows, and we look back on the the life of uh, of her as recorded in the scriptures and even those unrecorded things. And I, you know, just think on to the present day, the implications of those. If uh, Jesus at the cross says to John, uh, you know, behold your mother, and he's saying that to all of us, and we are her church. And from the moment that things got started, there have been good and bad things happening in this church that she is the mother of. And so I, uh, I pray yep. for her intercession often because she is— a woman, if she like any mom, uh, like you know this, uh, raising a family means lots of joys and lots of heartache. <laughs> so yes, I you know, uh, pray for her intercession often. One of the sorrows of being a mother and a grandmother and a father and a grandfather is you can't 
you can't control everything with your kids. You have to let them do things on their own. You want to step in and control it, but you can't. And that's a sorrow, too, especially when you see problems that you can't do anything about, like sicknesses or illnesses or financial issues. And so Mary has those same kind of sorrows when she has her her extended family, which is the church. And um, so, yeah, those are the 12 sorrows of Mary I came up with. On my website, I I saw the talk that I gave on it, if people are more interested. But thank you for letting me share these over the last four weeks. And I look forward to talking to you again uh, next week from uh, from Galilee, I think it will be. Very cool. And say hello to those pilgrims when they get off the plane and let them know that their Sunrise Morning Show family is praying for them to have a really spiritually fruitful time there in the Holy Land. Very good. I will, Matt. God right. bless you. Take care. Uh, Steve's website, linked at sunrisemorningshow.com. Click on over and you can see him in his, in his pilgrim guide hat, even. we got Chris McGregor coming up next. With thoughts from St. Gregory the Great on angels, it's 14 till. Support is from Solidarity HealthShare. Do you have an insurance plan that pays for everything, even things that violate your beliefs? Have you ever felt there has to be a better way, but didn't know you had any options? If you answered yes, I've got some good news for you. There is a better way and a more affordable way. Solidarity HealthShare can save you hundreds of dollars each month while actually supporting your beliefs. Because the best news is that Solidarity HealthShare costs a whole lot less than insurance. It's time to jump in and put your money where your faith is. And put some money back into your wallet at the same time. Join Solidarity HealthShare, a faith-based healthcare sharing community. Prices start as low as $384 a month for families. Call to see how much you can save. 844-334-3245. That's 844-334-3245. Solidarity Health Share, 844-334-3245. The kids got new supplies for back to school, so what do the parents get? Well, we suggest treating yourself to some good coffee, and the Mystic Monks of Wyoming have a number of blends to choose from. And when you link to the Mystic Monk Coffee site through our site, sonrisemorningshow.com, we earn a commission on whatever you buy. You can also treat yourself to a Sunrise Morning Show mug or travel mug and a water bottle for your kid in our online store. Check out our store and link to Mystic Monk Coffee at sunrisemorningshow.com. EWTN, communicating the faith. I had to go through fear and thank God that I overcame the fear and I just left it up to God and now there's no more fear, there's just acceptance and I'm just learning to listen. If you want to be closer to God, you just need to keep following His rules and your application, your radio station has helped me to always be positive and continue to listen to the rules and obey. EWTN, live truth, live Catholic. 12 till. Here's Anna with headlines. President Biden will be joining the picket lines alongside United Auto Worker Union members in Michigan today. And meanwhile, the leadership of the Writers Guild of America is set to vote today on whether or not to approve a tentative deal that would end the writer's strike. Ethnic Armenian Christians have begun their exodus from Nagorno-Karabakh, also known as Artsakh, following last week's takeover by the Azerbaijani military. And the attorney general of California is suing pregnancy centers in his state for what he claims is false advertising of abortion pill reversal. You can hear the news at the top and bottom of each hour right here on the Sunrise Morning Show. 
Back with us now on the Sunrise Morning Show is Chris McGregor from DiscerningHearts.com. Good morning, Chris. Good morning, Anna. How are you today? I am so good. I cannot (laughs) tell you. I mean, I know I say this every week, Chris, how excited I am to get to talk to you about the Office of Readings that you the the selection that you have chosen each week. But I am really excited to talk about this one um, from the September 29th Feast of the Archangels, Michael, Gabriel and Raphael. And this really stirring sermon on them from Pope St. Gregory the Great. He's a doctor of the church, right? Oh, yes, he is. And of course, he's he's the uh, he's the great. And we just the thing about I'm excited too. every time I get a chance to go into the office of readings, this is the church is giving us to feed on every single day. So it's right there, and the whole church is thinking and contemplating the angels. I mean, what a time. Friday is the Feast of the Archangels. And then, like three days later, uh, after, of course, St. Jerome and Therese, the little flower, we have the great feast of the guardian angels. I mean, this is just celestial time in in overdrive, isn't it? It really, really is. I love this time of year and the feast days that we get um, in in September and October, for sure, as you were just mentioning. So let's take a look at this sermon from St. Gregory. He starts with what I think, Chris, and and I, I assume you agree, a really helpful explanation of what an angel is and, and what distinguishes an archangel. Yeah, he is writing so many years before, probably 700 years before St. Thomas Aquinas will break open even more insight and vision about the angels. But Pope Gregory, uh, the great Benedictine, would say that the word angel denotes a function rather than a nature. They don't, they're holy spirits of heaven. They only uh, take on the name angel, as it were, when they deliver messages. So even in the great choir of angels, the nine that we uh, we acknowledge with the seraphim, the cherubim, the thrones, and and all of them, they are communicating with each other in mm. communion. They all have relationships. They're beings of relationship. And so God gives them to us in the form of those messengers of his great desire to commune, communicate with us. Yeah. And so then the ones who proclaim messages of supreme importance, he says, are called archangels. And so it was that not merely an angel, but the archangel Gabriel was sent to the Virgin Mary. It was only fitting that the highest angels should come to announce the greatest of all messages. And then goes on to talk about each three of them. You know, I was really really struck by his explanation of St. Michael. Oh, I think Michael, I have a son named Michael. I have a brother named Michael. Michaels have been very prominent in my life. And I have to say the name Michael, who is like God? It's almost like who, who can be God? And yet Michael serves God in such incredible ways. We see him uh, in the Old Testament at the end um, but he also is in the apocalypse where he's battling mm. the enemy. And he, the archangels, according to that great choir, they're 
they're not like the seraphim and the cherubim, the mighty, mighty ones who probably Lucifer, that that angel that wanted to be like God. No, he's Michael, the little, the actually the archangels are on that lower rung in their humility. They're the ones who is like God and can vanquish that proud angel, mm-hmm. that uh, not holy angel. And, uh, and he still intercedes for us today. Yeah. This was the line that really got to me, Chris. I hope you can reflect on it. He said, whenever some act of wondrous power must be performed, Michael is sent so that his action and his name may make it clear that no one can do what God does by his superior power. Isn't that something? Again, it's, it's Michael is doing the work of the of God. It is God who is the he he's the one who is the action. Michael is actually out of the way in a in a way because God is working through him to be able to come to our remedy, to come to our aid. And he's the one that we call to. I after every mass I still say the same Michael prayer. Yeah. Uh, we say I say it often and I think it's uh and he brings in all of the others as well. He's a, a, a great uniter. And then there's Raphael, or Raphael, Raphael, Raphael. My son is very particular because he he got it from a name from a turtle. But <laughs> which one, wait, which one does he, the, which one the, does he insist upon? Raphael. Raphael, okay. Yeah, I'm Raphael. sorry I pronounced it wrong. Please no, apologize no, no, to no him wrong. for me. <laughs> okay. <laughs> but there's uh, no seriously, and that um, we see him in the Book of Tobit, and Gregory the Great talks about him. He is God's remedy. Mm. He's the one that it, there's a there's a saying that in that we don't hear his name in the New Testament, but when that passage in the Bible about the pool of Bethesda that people would go for healing, yeah, and remember that, and the man yes. who couldn't get there. That that water was stirred, and the thought was that action probably, you know, could have been Raphael um, or Raphael uh, going down and stirring that water. We don't know that for sure. It's not in the scripture, but there's that thought because that's God's remedy, that action of healing. Yeah, Raphael or Raphael. Sorry, I can't get out of the habit. (laughs) Raphael. Raphael means, as I have said, Gregory says, God's remedy for when he touched Tobit's eyes. In order to cure him, he banished the darkness of his blindness. You know, I think about Aquinas there talking about sight being the superior sense um, in the sense that we we need that sight um, in, a, in a metaphysical sense. And here is Raphael bringing that to us. Such a powerful intercessor, Raphael is, to banish the darkness of blindness, both physically and and spiritually, I would think. Amen. They were, they're hand in hand, yeah. oftentimes, hopefully. And the, the holy angels just, they pray for us. They're with us now. Praise yes. God. Praise God. A beautiful, beautiful sermon that you get in the Office of Readings for the Feast of the Archangels. And we've been talking about it with Chris McGregor. You can find discerninghearts.com linked at sunrisemorningshow.com. Chris, thank you so much. Oh, it's glorious to be with you to talk about the angels, Anna. Thank you. Likewise, likewise. All right, that'll do it for this national edition of the Sunrise Morning Show. May God bless you and keep you and grant you his peace.